Good evening, Mr. Hunt. Are you sure your line is secure? I got it. Oh, man, do I get it. Central Intelligence Cinema now has a secure line to the IMF. Benji? Join the IMF. See the world on a monitor. In a closet. That doesn't sound impossible. Next time, I gotta seduce the rich guy. What are you waiting for? I'm jumping out a window! Well, this is not mission difficult, Mr. Hunt. It's mission impossible. Difficult should be a walk in the park for you. Central Intelligence Cinema presents Road to Reckoning. You can understand you're very upset. Kittredge, you've never seen me upset. Sir, Hunt is the living manifestation of destiny. The state will self-destruct in five seconds. Welcome to episode 52 of the Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast, where we come to the very end of The Road to Reckoning with our part two review of Mission Impossible Fallout. Take it away, Mr. Brosnan. Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. My name is Napoleon Solo. Bond. James Bond. Natasha Romanoff. Ethan Hunt. Looks like Elsa Faust. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, 007. Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Do you expect me to talk? I'm in the middle of an interrogation. This moron is giving me everything. Yeah, baby! Special agent, you're not having a very special day, are you? But remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Tom, what do you think you're doing? the British hand up, sir. The state will self-destruct in five seconds. Recording from an undisclosed city where a 56-year-old man just broke his ankle trying to jump from rooftop to rooftop. What is he doing? (laughs) It's the Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast. I'm Ben Esslinger, and with me, as should always be the case, Jason Greenberg. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) That poor guy, man. (laughs) Fifty-six-year-old man jumping from a rooftop to another rooftop. You know, it, it, it reminds me of that scene in uh, the Dark Knight or um, Rise of the. What is that? Hold on a second. How do I not know what the Dark Knight is? <laughs> the last Dark Knight movie uh-huh. where he goes to the doctor and he, you know the doctor's like, "Yo, your cartilage is completely worn out. Right. Uh, your leg shouldn't work, and I absolutely cannot recommend you do base jumping, spelunking, or whatever it was that he was doing." Right. You know, can you imagine what an MRI of Tom Cruise would look like at this point in time. Oh, oh goodness. <laughs> I mean, he's probably like, um, it's not even like bone in there anymore. It's probably oh, no. just like powdered jelly <laughs> so it can cushion the impacts. Well, you forget though that there are synthetic materials inside of Tom Cruise. That is correct. Because after all, he is a cyborg and therefore. That's true. He's uh, probably got some metal stuff titanium alloys. Indeed. Polymimetic metals. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, a full Some titanium car- end exoskeleton. Some carbon fiber protectant. No, type, yeah, yeah. And, and it Vaseline. There's probably it's a lot, lot of Vaseline. Vaseline. <laughs> well, hey, you know, folks, welcome back to uh, part two of our review of okay. Mission Impossible Fallout. Whew. We're it, at the end. We're at the end. It's been a slog. To the end of the road. <laughs> Still I can't let go. Oh, I'm ready to let go. <laughs> Believe me, I am ready to let go. 
Indeed. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, when we first uh, posited this road to reckoning thing, I don't think even we fully anticipated <laughs> the extent with which it would absorb our lives, which it quite literally seems to have. It kind of does. <laughs> but um, we appreciate that all of you have gone through the the trotting down the road right along there with us. Indeed, indeed. And our tens of listeners have been right there with us, and, hanging and out. Hanging out. Laughing along the way. And hopefully just as relieved that we're finally at the end <laughs> as we are. Indeed, indeed. So what do you say, Ben? Should we get this thing knocked out so we can get on to other things? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So when last we left our fateful band of heroes. That's right. Technically, two of those fateful band of heroes. Mm -hmm. um, we had just left Ethan and uh, Ilsa discussing the uh, potential pitfalls of trying to get out of the MI6. Yes, and uh, also a lot of apologizing and, oh, I'm sorry I ran over you with the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> All that sort of thing. I mean, you got to imagine, if this is foreplay for them... <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying good lord yeah. <laughs> what are cool we in stuff. for in dead reckoning <laughs> no doubt but you know of course there's that other player in uh dead reckoning who shall remain nameless mm. but her initials are Haley atwell <laughs> um, could she be a potential monkey wrench in this plan hmm mm. but anyway we're not here to talk about mission impossible dead reckoning part no. one which if you go by our current thing when we review dead reckoning part one we'll have two parts and part two will have two parts so dead reckoning part one and two will actually be in four parts that's right so for those of you who are keeping score write that down figure out the math let us know how it all works out all right anyway so as we jump back into this thing we're in what uh looks kind of like the grand palais where they were having the party out there uh -huh. um you know we see uh lane over there talking with julia and she turns and she looks very distressed as she's looking at ethan and believe me, it's hard to get Michelle Monaghan's face to look distressed because she's such a lovely, impish young lady. Well, I mean, she is standing there with Lane. Well, and I Lane's would, rather upsetting. Uh, especially his, his, when he's trying to his, tell you something important. His, his presence is somewhat yeah. disturbing. Yeah, so I mean, if you know that's Lane there, then maybe you're like, I can understand why you're upset. Yes. But surprise, surprise, it's another dream. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting <laughs> that... Uh, and are there any other dream sequences in the Mission Impossible? I'm trying to remember if there were any previous to this. There were hypothetical situations, but I yeah. don't know. If, I don't know if there are any other dream things. I don't recall any. It's so weird that we keep doing this. Why I asked in the last podcast for part one. Is he like developing powers of prescience where he can see the future? Right. Because these are all like prophetic dreams. I'm like, is this Muad'Dib? Is they really on Dune right. in Dead Reckoning in the dirt on the horse? Because I'm going to tell you right now, as a Dune aficionado, there are no horses on Dune. Only worms. That's right. Only worms. Anyway, so it's a dream. Ethan snaps awake very much like he snapped awake in the first dream from the yes. beginning of the movie. And interestingly enough, he tends to have this tendency to fall asleep in vans. Have you noticed that? Well, yeah, but then in, again, in there's a lot of vans in Mission Impossible. <laughs> that is true. I mean... <laughs> I mean, the odds are in favor he's going to fall asleep in one. Exactly, because he's constantly in one. So... <laughs> Because he snaps awake in a van when they're in Ghost Protocol, too. Yes. He nods off in a van there. But you know what's funny? It's uh, There's almost that undercurrent. Is he's comfortable enough with the people there to actually fall asleep. 
And yet, he fell asleep with Lane right next to him. Right. Two of his... En- Actually, both of them are his enemies, Lane and Walker. Right. <laughs> Although, I don't know, has he... You think he's figured that out at this point yet? I don't know if he's figured that part out, but I mean, he certainly doesn't consider Walker to be... He's not a part a, of the team. He's definitely not a part of the team. So, Ethan gets a phone call. It's Vanessa asking if he's in London and ready to meet the courier. You know, how much does a courier get to haul around uh, nuclear material, do you think? Is there a special rate for that? I, I got to think there's a premium on that one. I mean, it's like a hazardous material charge. There's, There's got to be a load of charges. I mean, just think about cable. True. <laughs> and they get you, it's like those back-end charges you don't see until you get the monthly that's bill. That's right. It's terrible. I don't know. Well, I that's, hope this That's cur- why I just went strictly to streaming after that. Anyway. You know, I just want to make sure that this courier <laughs> Is, is going to be compensated fairly um, for the imminent danger they're placing themselves in. Because despite what you may think, you can't walk around with a plutonium sphere and not get radiation from it. There, I said it. <laughs> anyway, Ilsa is uh, at the same cafe, listening in and tracking uh, Ethan's phone. The team uh, rolls up into some dingy old bunker thing, which we will, of course, call Exposition barge number three at this point? I believe it's three. <laughs> number three, very undisclosed, very location-y, very on-brand for the Mission Impossible series. Yes. Because as I Complete. Mistaken, now, this one does have... Correct. It's got the jail. It's got the jail It's so. got the dingy bad lighting. It's got the long hallway right. to nothing. Well, it looks like... It looks... I don't know. It's almost catacomb, but not a catacomb. Right. It, it, it almost feels reminiscent to me of the facility or the, the area that they had M locked up in in uh was it one with uh Sophie Marceau. Oh that's a uh the world is not enough. The world is not enough. I knew it had like a string of nonsense words to make up a title. <laughs> but that one had kind of like the cage and like yeah. the stone walls. There's uh-huh. no real hallway. Yeah. I, it, the the jail kind of gave me the M vibe. So I was looking to see if there was a clock or a bench <laughs> right. or something that she could use for something, but there wasn't anything like that. Yeah. But anyway, Hunley is there waiting for them. It is a fine suit, uh, being very uh, Alec Baldwin-y. Yes. <laughs> um, and I'm like, he shows up at the thing. He could put on leisure wear, something more practical. <laughs> Just, I'm going to come in in the suit. In the full suit. Full suit. Because He's a company man, man. It's my identity. It's who I am. <laughs> I you know? guess, if last time so. I, Last time I was involved in a spy caper, I was wearing a naval uniform. <laughs> that was a suit, too. Had a tie and everything. <laughs> I didn't shoot, though, because things tend to get cranky when you shoot with them and nuclear missile subs. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I think I've, ta- I've taken the uh, hunt for Red October as far as it can go. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Hunley is there waiting for him. And boy, is he pissed off. Yes. <laughs> uh, because allegedly Lark is dead. Allegedly. Allegedly. So they uh, knock Lane out, stick him in a cell, and add a camera to it. The same little... Same little boop Little camera. disky cam that now actually has a purpose. Yeah. I, I, well, apparently, just keep an eye on him or whatever. Oh, yeah. Or, or so we think is the only purpose. Well, you know, things yeah. could change in a hot minute. Indeed. Ethan finishes explaining what happened and tells him that now the plan is to meet with Vanessa and exchange Benji, who will be disguised as Lane, for the missing plutonium. So effectively still going through the same motions of the plan, just altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. (laughs) Um, Once again, we get the classic Walker eye roll. Right. As soon as he mentions masks or implies that a mask is involved, he's just like, oh, really? If this was an 80s sitcom, there'd be a laugh track cue after that for sure. 
That's like that's Walker's equivalent. Did I do that? <laughs> and Benji's like, uh, why? Yeah, for once he doesn't want to wear a mask. Yeah. He's like, uh, uh, how are you going to protect me? <laughs> like, uh, why me? <laughs> right. And then he looks over at Luther, and Luther's like, look at me. <laughs> and then he's like, look at you. Except he doesn't say it. He's just doing it in a way that sounds like he's saying it because it's Ving Rhames and you can't not hear it. Right. But Benji's kind of like, okay, fair point. Fair point. <laughs> right. The plan would have Walker staying behind the guard lane, which he is super unhappy about. Yeah. But Ethan then mentions that their other problem is that Ilsa is out there trying to kill Lane as well. Which makes Benji really not want to wear the mask because he's like, oh, great. So now Ilsa's going to kill me. <laughs> right. Honey then explains that the meeting is a trap set up by Vanessa because she's actually working with the CIA to get everything they want all at once. Lark, the Apostles, Lane, and the Plutonium. Hunley then starts to build the case that Ethan is Lark and does a pretty good job of conveying how pissed off he is that he feels like he's been betrayed by Ethan's uh, faith and trust. He then provides a file that provides all the damning information linking Hunt to the smallpox outbreak, along with all the other stuff. And Ilsa is now a target as well. Ethan asks, you know, where the information comes from. Hunley's like, well, it comes straight from the CIA. Where'd the CIA get the information from? And then, and then, and then, cuts then, the- then there's a cut to Walker, because we all know that Walker was the one who fed the information. Right. I think we all figure out at this point, even the slow learners watching the movie, <laughs> Walker's the bad guy here. Hunley then basically explains that he has to bring in Lane and Ethan to save Ethan's life. Ethan does the, can't you see it? Oh, can't God. you see oh, it? Oh, my God. I told you. I swear to God, if there's one in Dead Reckoning, I'm, I might walk out of, no, I won't walk out of the theater. It's going to happen. I won't happen. walk out of the theater. I'll just have a drink ready. And just anytime I hear that, I'm just going to take a shot and yep. then move on. It's got to have it. Because it, with, uh, with Zerny coming back in. Right. Um, he's going to say it to him, probably. Oh, probably. I mean, we're the things I can now begin to count on happening in Mission Impossible movies. We're probably going to get a mask. We're probably going to get an exposition barge. We're probably going to get a box truck or we're van. We're probably going to get a box truck or van. And then we're probably going to get Ethan saying... Can't you see it? I mean, it's just as, oh, you know, what is it? What does Q say to pay attention, 007? Pay attention, 007. You're, you're definitely going to get one of those in every one of the Bond ones, right? Exactly. So. Exactly. So, yeah, Ethan goes in as, can't you see it? I'm going to go manic and try and convince you. Is there a couch anywhere I can jump up and down <laughs> on while I'm doing this? Probably not. And starts to, and then presents his argument that turning them is the trap and that Lane is actually counting on that to happen. Now, this scene and what we just talked about illustrates the fact that why can't these people just fucking trust <laughs> Ethan Hunt? Because he knows. Every time he has a hunch and says, can't you see it? Why don't you just go, you know what? I don't, but you clearly do. And let's just roll with this. Because we've got five previous episodes <laughs> that say... That prove That you know what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. And it's just, I think that's the one thing I hate the most is that he has to continually prove his ability to see the future. And now we clearly can see from this movie that he can see the future. <laughs> so why is anybody questioning... The question Henley should have been asking is, so tell me, Ethan, what are going to be the winning lottery for the <laughs> DC lottery when we get back? 
Hunley then states that he's choosing to save the IMF over Ethan, sort of turning the tables around. The goods yeah. of the many outweigh the goods of the one. Right. The needs of the many, needs of the few, needs of the one. Sorry, Star Trek people out there. I apologize. <laughs> and that if Ethan doesn't cooperate, Walker is basically there to take him out of the picture. Yeah, because he's like, what do you think he's there for? Yeah, it is great. Why do you think he's here? This is Erica Sloan's number one plumber. <laughs> plumber. That's such a great it, <laughs> name it for it. And again, anybody but Alec Baldwin delivering that line would have sounded ridiculous. Right. But he sells it. Oh, absolutely. Call Walker Rooter. That's the name. <laughs> Away go your troubles down the drain in blood. <laughs> Hunley then gives Hunt a direct order as a secretary to come quietly and Ethan uses a stun gun on him. Uh, it's this, like, I'm sorry, boss, but <laughs> too bad. <laughs> I can see it. You can't. <laughs> At that point, he starts asking Walker to help coordinate the trade for the plutonium, and he's in. He basically says, I'm still your best chance of getting the plutonium back. Right. We you still know got two cores in the wind. Right. But this one, I, I still had to scratch my head a little bit. It's, Walker knows he's blown. Or must beginning to suspect he's got to be blown. able to suspect it a little bit, and we know we will learn further on that there's a reason why he has to continue with the charade, right? But it just feels like he was very willing to dive right in and do what he needed to do. It's definitely one of those like little moments where they tried to do it as fast as they could so that people didn't stop to think about it too much. Yeah, and I suppose he needed to be there for Lane and some other things too. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it all works out. But it just I don't know. We got such a good feel from him. He. The performance he was giving was kind of like I just felt very lackluster. Like maybe he was tired. Maybe he just maybe he just finished shooting his uh, Superman scenes. It's like man, I've been in a wire all day. Now I gotta go back and cock the guns. And I don't know. Anyway, they put the mask on Benji, and we get one of those clever little uh, back-to-back masky, switchy, changey moments. Yeah, it was pretty clever. I didn't see a behind-the-scenes about how they did it, and I still can't figure out how they did it, unless it's a little bit of actual CG. It's CG. Yeah. I think everything was realistic. They had Simon Pegg there putting on the mask. They did all that, and then they just put in the CGI. What they might have also done, too, is the way that it was blocked, they could have literally just... They have video of him, of Lane, in the right quadrant of the screen, and Benji's Lane, who is actually also Sean Harris, in the left quadrant of mm-hmm. the screen so that you get both of them in the in the same thing and it's just a little bit of editing trickery without Good. a whole lot of CGI. But well, you could have done that whole thing with mirrors if you wanted to. I mean yeah. it's it, it's definitely doable. I'm guessing it's just but it's a not little one bit of, of a little it, bit of post production there. I it think, wasn't on one of the one. more clever one ways no. of them to get through it. It didn't yeah. feel as seamless. It felt kind of forced. Yeah. But anyway at the end of it we're we're down with double lanes, a <laughs> two lane highway, as it were. <laughs> so we get this very telling moment where Walker is looking at Lane's cell, but you only see Lane in there, so the footage is on a loop. So that's right. why the camera was really in there was to do the false while they did the switch. Yeah. But anyway, so Walker is fooled. Woo! <laughs> The team leaves, and as soon as they're out of sight, Walker opens up his big bag. <laughs> hey, baby, here's my big bag. And he's basically got basically everything, really. I mean, yeah, he's got he's, a tracker removal kit. He's, he's got, got a all, knife. Yeah, it's a bag of tricks. He's got a, he's got a whole thing full of vials. Uh, essentially, uh, the one he pulls out of vials is essentially the antidote to uh, unknock out a lane. Which, when it goes into his neck, is kind of funny. Um, yeah, he's, he kind of takes that deep. Uh, breath inward to like right. 
Whoa. Like, look at Benji. <laughs> took some acting classes while he was at field agent school. That's right. Um, <laughs> he walks into the cell, gives a shot to Lane, who immediately wakes up. Walker's like, all right, let's go. But Lane isn't done with Hunt yet. He's not done with Hunt yet. <laughs> Walker finally reveals himself to be Lark. Which, you know, to nobody's surprise. Right. <laughs> um, saying that the deal they made was that he would frame Hunt to be Lark and that Lane, in exchange for this, would give Walker the plutonium. Lane then starts reeling off part of the manifesto and Walker is like, when I wrote those words, I didn't mean your piece. Right. And I'm like, oh, so you're a writer too. Okay, very good. <laughs> very good. You know, I, I, I kill people for a living. I'm very violent and mostly solve all of my disputes with violence. But in my heart, I'm a soft, quiet soul who likes to write poetry and, and paint bluebirds. <laughs> These are my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> There's a part in Gross Point yes. Blank. <laughs> That's what I was thinking yes. of. When the bully... These... Are my thoughts. <laughs> Roses are okay. That, 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 that's, that's great. That's Sounds good. great. Oh it's my amazing. God, it's great. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> at this point, suddenly Walker realizes he's not talking to the real Lane and literally rips the mask off, revealing Benji underneath. Yeah, quite uh, almost disturbing for a half second there because I was just like, oh, oh. Yeah, we don't get the normal pull it around the head reveal. He's just like, wrench. <laughs> right, right in half. <laughs> and there's Benji. Hello. Oh, sorry. Um, but Hunley pops up right behind him with a gun. Walker turns around, disarms him, tries to shoot him twice, but clickety-click-click, no bullets in that gun. Oh. And then uh, Huntley pulls out another one. Like, I don't know where, like a quick draw, right? <laughs> he didn't even pull it out of his suit pocket. He's like, maybe this one's loaded. He pops out and points over at him. Right. And I'm just like, you know, even with a loaded gun at your hip like that, I still feel like Walker could pulverize you. <laughs> it's because it's Walker. Right. But he did. He did. I think what happens, he didn't have time. To cock the pistols. That's right. He didn't have the time to do that. So, didn't load the guns. So, so. only got the drop on him. That's right. <laughs> um, Walker tries to talk his way out of it, but it doesn't work because I think Hunley has a little bit of information that Walker doesn't know Hunley has. Hmm. You think? Hunley then shows that he's got Sloan listening live on her phone, but so basically the jig is up. Right. You know, Walker realizes, oh shit. So she was in and out the whole time. Right. And I love that little moment where Sloan's like, I don't appreciate being used, Walker. And then it cuts to Luther and he's like, oop, bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Sloan, being the CIA wink that she is, yeah. <laughs> doesn't trust anybody and just says, well, you know, I'm going to take care of this myself. And then in come all the CIA agents. Hut, 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 hut. And, uh, but it turns out they're not all CIA because some of them are Larksmen who then start shooting the CIA guys. So we got the flip of the flip of the flip here. Right. Lots of flipping going Lots on here. Lots of flipping. And then you've got the X factor too because then Ilsa pops. Yeah, Ilsa pops into their just undisclosed in the location yeah. with her little automatic pew pews. <laughs> so she's shooting at people. The IMF is shooting at people. Everybody's shooting Bad at CIA everybody. Is shooting at people. <laughs> and there's a lot of wall columns getting hit by bullets, but not a lot of people getting so hit by them. So much damage to wall columns. That's another thing about Mission Impossible movies. Guarantee there's going to be so much damage to wall columns. No doubt. 
<laughs> just walls in general. Right. Walls and windows. Yes. Oh, God. Nothing oh. is safe if you're in a wall <laughs> or a window. That's right. So Ethan is about to get shot by Walker, but Hunley steps in and starts fighting him, which I'm going to give full marks to Alec Baldwin in this one. He was landing some body blows he like looked, a boxer he in He did look convincing. He looked like he was capable of doing what he was doing. Well, and here's the thing that I'd like to remind our tens of listeners is that Alec Baldwin is only maybe five years older than Tom Cruise. Right. They're really pretty close in age. So, so he should be pretty capable still. I mean, granted, Tom Cruise is like this robot that we've established that yeah but <laughs> but i mean you know for a normal still, human being for a normal human being he does all right right and i mean he's not he used to be kind of an action hero but he hasn't yeah. been for like 20 years right so he put it he didn't look like he could convincingly beat henry cavill if henry cavill was drunk with both arms tied behind his leg <laughs> but he did convince me that he actually had some fighting skills right that yeah. he didn't just look like he was going to go down like a patsy. Right. Because, I mean, like, if he had been punching the tree trunk of a torso that Henry Cavill that has, he, that might have gone Cavill. a different way. Right. Right. But no, he doesn't. Yeah. He pulls out a knife and... Stabby, stabby. And not even just one stabby. It was a stab, pull in, stab more, Ugh. dead. And this also goes to one of my gripes about gut stabs don't always kill you. Well, they certainly don't kill you right away. No. You, they usually are long, long drawn horrible out horrible deaths. That take probably weeks. So, you know, if he'd stabbed him in the heart, maybe, but then there wouldn't yeah. have been the, my son, <laughs> go get him, my son. I mean, if he'd done a Brando voice, it couldn't have been any more perfect. But uh, he goes down to the floor. Walker ends up using Luther as a shield for a hot minute, but Luther grabs a tracker injection thingy, and just as he's flying out, hits him with it, and then he lets Luther go and he runs off. They all go to Hunley, who's about to die, Benji going first, of course, because that's his job in this is I'm not obviously the action portion of this. I need to go check on the dying guy. <laughs> right. But they all get over there. And when they get to Hunley, uh, who is clearly dying, he gives him the Brando. <sighs> Which is funny, too, because during this Brando moment, there's still f- shooting going mm-hmm. on. There's all this. Because cr- Ilsa is still engaged with the, the right. other guys. But uh, Ethan, who needs to get after Walker, is about to go, but Luther tags him with the tracker as well. Ilsa, meanwhile, kills the last guy who's getting ready to shoot Ethan. Right. And for an agent who claimed to have been aiming for a chest and shooting ahead, she seems very accurate. Maybe the pistol's the problem. Uh, it could just be the, yeah, the sight. I mean, you put a rifle in her hand, and she's all like, pating, patang, patong. <laughs> put a pistol, she's like, nope, nope, all over. <laughs> all over. So... Here's the running part of the movie. That's the one other thing that you're always going to see in a mission movie. I don't care if Tom Cruise is in these movies until he's 80. He will have a running moment. Absolutely. And it will be... More than you expect from an 80-year-old. <laughs> you know, in my mind, if he was in like Mission Impossible 12 and his legs got removed, he would just be running on the stumps, right? Like really fast. Just very enthusiastically. Very enthusiastically. Give me those robot legs. Oh, wait, I already have robot legs. No. All right. So Ethan gets outside and is immediately chased by Lark's second team, who Lark calls in as he's booking out of the yeah. undisclosed location. Meanwhile, Luther, Benji, and Ilsa get into, you guessed it, a van. A van. <laughs> and Benji's already watching the progress between the two trackers on his funky IMF iPad. Right. Um, good thing they're color-coded, too. You yeah. know, <laughs> green for Ethan, red for Lark. I wonder which one's the good guy and which one's the bad guy. Hmm. Which one is Luke? Which one is Darth Vader? <laughs> Do you think that red... <laughs> 
feels like it gets a, a underrepresented as an evil thing in in, in modern uh, American cinema. Maybe in American cinema. Here's the thing: is that if you went, these movies were geared towards Europeans, especially. I mean, certainly the UK. Red is not always necessarily the villain color over there. Right. It just kind of has become that here. Well, for a multitude of reasons that I will not get into. <laughs> lightsabers. Anyway, we get this funny, awkward moment as Ethan runs into this big church with security guards on the outside and everything while these guys are chasing him right. and realizes he's walked into a gigantic funeral. <laughs> a huge funeral. Like a state funeral. Right. <laughs> like maybe it's a prince or <laughs> yeah. at least an earl. Right. He does the whole, Cruz is really good at this where he, that thing that he does where he puts his arms out like he's trying to like control a situation. <laughs> right. Right. And he's like, I am so sorry. <laughs> And I'm like, I felt like in a Bond movie, that casket would have gotten overturned and shot full of bullets. Oh, yeah. But Ethan's just like... Uh, the corpse might have even rolled out. Right, exactly. <laughs> but no, uh, Benji's like, you got to go up. Well, no, he just tells him to turn left. And he's like, well, I can't do that. Oh, yeah. So because he's, he's like, why is he running around in circles? Right. right. So no, he didn't. So Ethan realized the only way to go is up. He goes up to the top of the, the church that they're in, finds a metal gate, <laughs> which actually says way up next to the staircase <laughs> as he's going up. So I'm like, well, I guess he knows which direction to go now. Yeah, there you, you know. go. Um, and so Ethan ends up... <laughs> way up. <laughs> it did say that. It said way up. This is the direction you Which way is the way up? This way. <laughs> and then, like I said, you know, Benji's like, why is he running in a circle? So Ethan gets up to the top. He's still getting directions from Benji. Go across the street. Yeah, He's literally street. just sliding across a rooftop. Right. Or- <laughs> it's like, I'm working on it. He has to go run across a bridge to get the other side of the street. Then he starts just lofting over like Spider-Man until he gets to that last one. Oh, boy. That last one. And boy, that last one cost him a little bit, huh? <laughs> yeah. It cost him a, a break in shooting. <laughs> and a break in his leg. And a break in his ankle. And then he goes walking out. And they, they, they famously kept that scene in when he hobbles off. Right. Because... He He wasn't going to do it again. Right. And they knew that they got the shot. He was just like, if I can just get myself out of frame, we'll use it. (laughs) Because that's how damn committed he is. That's right. You know it's a cruise joint when bones are getting broken. (laughs) And he still keeps going. And he still keeps going. So eventually, uh, Ethan ends up in an office building and Benji's directing him. Yeah. It feels very uh, Mission Impossible 3, actually. It suddenly... It suddenly reminded me of that scene in China, I think it is. Yes. When he's running and and it's sort of the first instance of Benji directing his way through. Right, because he's running over the roofs and then he has to get back down on the ground. Right. And he's apologizing to people in Chinese. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Again, apologizing. Because our Ethan is a very courteous young man. He is. He's very polite. We did a good job of raising him. We sure did. Our little baby's all grown (laughs) up. Our little baby's all grown up. (laughs) Um, So we get another, oh, wait, turn left. And then he's like, left? He's like, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, turn right. He's like. Tur- right? Are you sure? Oh, turn left. I had the screen lock on. <laughs> right, he had the screen lock on. So he gets over and, you know, he's in an office building and there's there's all these office workers that are just kind of <laughs> looking at him. And they're all going, that guy looks a lot like Tom Cruise. <laughs> and there's a lady that's sitting right next to the window he needs to go through. And she gets out and he's like, oh, thank you. And takes her chair. It's so funny how enabling they are to right. him. <laughs> right. It's Tom Cruise. It's Tom Cruise. He takes the, the chair Throws it to the window, and then Benji's like, What are you waiting for? I'm jumping out a window! What do you mean you're jumping out of a... 
Oh, sorry, I had it in 2D. Good luck. Oh, I have it in 2D. <laughs> sorry. 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 <sighs> and I love the look, too, from Ilsa in the van, just like, <sighs> right. <laughs> well, because this is always the thing with Benji. Yeah. He's so caught up in it, he stops thinking about what he actually needs to be doing. Right. Which I guess in its way makes him a better field agent, right? Because he's a lot more, when he when he's in the field, he's, he's very on point and aware. Right. If he's playing the computer guy, then suddenly he's back to being old Benji, right. being the computer guy. Right. <laughs> so keep him in his good element, folks. So then we get this run across this building that crosses over the river. I love that shot. It's just so big and wide. And it, to me, it feels iconic. Again, great cinematography. Just, they do, a really good job of making use of the city in this chase. Actually, just all this movie's great. <laughs> oh, you know, it's so much easier to film well, I think, in Europe than it is here. Yeah. Because you have weird well, bridges for well, no apparent reason. And that's where the history is from. <laughs> right. But I mean, here, everything is so planned out. Yeah. Right. You know, a 20 year plan for roads and this and that. Right. Whereas there, this building's been here for 800 years. This building's been here for 700 years. So we're not moving anything. No, no, we just need to build a bridge. Right. That makes no sense whatsoever, but there goes that bridge. That's right. So Ethan's running and running and <laughs> running, uh, eventually gaining on Lark, who's headed into the, uh, it's actually was going into the Tate uh, Art Museums, where oh, he was okay. headed for. At least uh, the sign that I saw on the building said the Tate Museum. Um, and okay. there were some museum in things that I saw on the side. <laughs> Um, so I'm assuming it was a museum. Lark pulls into a, an unlocked side door of the Tate Museum. <laughs> of course. And Ethan sees him and immediately follows him inside. For some reason, random old style metal elevator cagey thing <laughs> in the building that Lark goes into. Well, <laughs> it's a spy movie. Use an old timey well, elevator. They have, to, they have to have a conversation. So... You can't have they a glass be, elevator like got, in, in, in Spectre. Right. You got to be able to hear each other talking. Exactly. Because it would have been like this. And if it had been glass elevator, what is this? <laughs> well, then you've just got Batman with uh, Bane. And <laughs> so tell me, mister, do you think that you'll be able to survive? Yes, exactly. So Walker's heading up on the elevator. Ethan gets in just as it starts to go, jumps on the bottom. And then we kind of get a little tet a tet between the two of them. Walker pulls out his gun, getting ready to shoot him. And I'm like, ooh, we're going to get one of those. I can shoot in between the grates of something because I'm that good a shot. But then Hunt's like, you can't do it, can you? It's like, no, Lane's not done with you. And his look of disappointment is totally <laughs> yeah. like a 14-year-old like, kid. God, Ugh. I really want to shoot you. But mom will let me. God. This is stupid. This sucks. So he turns into Napoleon Dynamite for like 30 <laughs> seconds here. And he reaches into his pocket. Instead of pulling out tots, he pulls, <laughs> he pulls out a picture of Julia. Yes. And basically says, I'm her guardian angel. If I see you anywhere near her, she dies. Right. If I hear you're not going where I tell you to go. She, she dies. dies. In essence, <laughs> if I see you again, she dies. dies. If the whole world blows up and explodes, she dies. <laughs> and, and the elevator stops. Walker gets out of the elevator, walks out the thing, pushes the down button. Ethan does some little Spider-Man jumpy, jumpy, swoop, <laughs> swoopy. <laughs> Gets over there and walks out through the same door. And as he's leaving, he sees Walker get in or in a helicopter with Lane. And Walker gives him a little, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Again, a, another nod to MI3. Right. When when uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman gets away right. after all that stuff. 
And holy cow, that shot at the end where Cruz is standing on the very top of that huge building. Right. And that just the, the ultra wide shot. I'm just like, I'm getting vertigo just watching the shot and I'm not even up there. And right. I, I'm just like, Jesus, is he? And you know, you know. He's not even like, I bet there's not even a, a safety thing on him. Oh, there is. You think so? Oh, there's no way that the studio would have let him do That's something true. like that without That's some true. kind of Probably safety Probably some sort of, some sort of, because if it was windy or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All he needs is one gust from that high up and yeah. we're done with Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> or at least maybe they become the Ilsa show, which not saying I'd have a problem with that. I will make a small note out here after watching the movie twice. I did notice that the uh, the call sign numbers on Walker's helicopter did seem to spell out the letters G-D-E-U-P, which I interpreted as giddy up. <laughs> so I don't know if that was like a yeehaw, we're riding off into the sunset. Right. But it just seemed very funny, probably random, and only somebody like me would have noticed that. <laughs> but now you guys have something to look at the next time you watch this movie before you fall asleep. So we cut to Benjamin Luther, who start explaining to Ilsa how the two bombs work. So <laughs> this is exposition now barge number four. <laughs> How they're interconnected and naturally how one will blow up if the other is deactivated. Right. Ilsa describes it as a suicide mission. And boy, I wish we had um, Anthony Hopkins uh, here to <laughs> explain the difference between... Mission difficult and mission impossible. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I feel like that should just echo in the background every time somebody <laughs> says that. And Benji, of course, is like, we're working on it. <laughs> Again, I'm trying to remember when Tom Cruise says we're working on it. Oh, that's earlier... When Hunley, when they're in the other undisclosed location with Hunley, and Benji's like, how are you going to keep me safe? And he's like, I'm, 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 working, on, I'm working on it. <laughs> right, right. And I mean, I think it gets repeated twice more after we get to Kashmir. But right. um, like I said, that should have been the alternate title. We're working on it. <laughs> and I got to say, first of all, I guess I, well, I could probably save that for a little bit later on. But the bombs are ridiculous. <laughs> The notion of of them all having to work in this tandem and everything, it's so MacGuffin-y, plotty, <laughs> stupidy, lazy writing. I don't know about that. I mean, this the I think there's just they were like, how on earth can we make this as high tension as humanly possible? It's like, well, how do we how do we make this bomb like so undiffusible that you know, and they take they take out all reality. They take out and they just go, let's build the rules around this bomb and not care what reality yeah, actually says. Because they determined how it was going to end before they built the story around it. Yeah. And that's fine. But I mean, I have questions about how far the little radio that Walker's carrying has range. Yeah. That the fix makes any difference. Yeah. Just something. And I know I mean, I'm nitpicking, well, but. You have a point because I mean. He loses know, radio contact, but the, the frequency on that radio still talks to the bombs. Right. Exactly. Ethan loses contact with his team, but then the uh, detonator still happens to be within range. So I feel like. I feel like it's sloppy writing, honestly. A little bit. I feel like if you'd wanted to put a little effort into it, you could have come up with something else. I don't even know if it's sloppy writing. I think I would argue that it's the nature of Mission Impossible. That, uh, you that, have to you just, you, yeah, you have to have an impossible mission. So And and they, they end up writing themselves into corners, you know, because things happen, they can't shoot something the way they wanted it to. And it's fair. It's like how it's fair. How, how are we gonna 
sew this all up in a button. If know. I have to accept running and box vans, I guess I have to accept that there's some ridiculous MacGuffin that has to be fixed or replaced or detonated or diffused exactly. in order to have an impossible mission. So I'll I'll let it go. But I, there's still some bullshit <laughs> nuclear bomb shit here that I'm not going to let go later. Anyway, so... Luther then asks Ilsa to have a seat in a quiet moment, and we get this heartfelt explanation about who Julie is. And first, first reaction was Ethan was married, like, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's why he was turning on your busted hotness, baby. <laughs> your tasty new hotness, because he already had tasty new hotness over here. Um, but that, that her look on her face was he he was married. Yeah, he's a good guy. That's not your charms. He thinks you're hot, but it's already taken. But it turns out maybe he's. Uh, anyway, but he goes on to explain about Julia and how Ethan's only ever cared about two women, implying, of course, that she's a second. Right. Uh, he goes on to this whole thing uh, about how Ethan basically almost got her killed and goes to the basically the whole backstory between Julia and Ethan. Right. Um, and kind of where she's at now. Yeah. And how proud he is that his, his little baby's learned how to ghost itself into the world. Oh, yeah, because Luther was actually personally responsible for teaching her how to stay ghosted. Right, exactly. <laughs> he also says that they're in this mess because Ethan wouldn't let him die. Uh, yeah, and that's where we get this amazing performance where he's literally on the verge of tears or or kind of tearing up. He's kind of like, you took care of me and right. <laughs> it's well, my he, fault that we're in this mess and like putting the blame on he's himself. He's blaming himself for putting Ethan in a position where Ethan had to make that decision that Ethan right. is always going to make. Despite the fact that Luther knows that Ethan's going to make that decision right. based on who Ethan is. Which is why he's not blaming Ethan for being Ethan. He's pissed at himself for putting Ethan for, in the position to be Ethan. You know Ethan's not going to leave you there. Right. So why did you do something more actively to prevent that? Again, this movie would be over. We'd all have two and a half hours of our life back. Um, probably not a, a seventh movie coming out with Haley Atwell. So I'll go ahead and allow it. But there is not a Mission Impossible movie that could not have been solved an hour and a half in by somebody doing one thing differently. You're not wrong. No. no. But I mean, that goes for a lot of movies. You're, you're, you're right, but I'm just saying these ones are glaring. Uh, but anyway, he then tells Ilsa if she really cared about Ethan, she would just leave because it's one less person that he's got to worry about. Right. And, you know, naturally in full Ilsa style, she's like, I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. Ethan shows up and, and she's immediately like, on? is everyone okay? Someone die? You know, that's the whole, she's like, right. I'm going with you. And he's like, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so, Ethan is, is like, so where do we have to go to get this going on? Benji shows up with the magic iPad again. Or maybe it's a laptop this time. I Could can't be. really remember. I don't remember either. It is some sort of electronic computing device that doesn't do what any other electronic computing device does. <laughs> um, and, you know, they're tracking him, going over 500 knots. Luther then, of course, points out, they're in an airplane. Yes, Luther. <laughs> they're in an airplane at 500 knots. You're absolutely right. And they realize that through the implant thingy that they put in him earlier that he's headed to Kashmir. Cue the Led Zeppelin music. No, I'm serious. They, 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 didn't, they didn't have Kashmir in that. They could have. They resisted temptation. Yeah. And I'm so very it might happy. Have, it might have been cool, but it probably was a good I idea. I think it would have been overkill. Yeah, a little yeah, bit overkill. Yeah. But, you know, now that we know where we're going, we're moving on in there into Act 3. So, Act 3. Ah, Kashmir. Ah, Kashmir. And you know, they didn't even have to use a small 
little title thing because they just fade from from the map from on the, the map on the thing and we I go mean, right in Indiana Jones style. You know, it's almost as if someone put some thought into the fact that maybe the watcher could just follow along with where they're going. Yeah. Hmm. Imagine that. So uh, now the gang are in the uh, exposition jeep (laughs) traveling towards wherever Lane's tracker is. And they're talking about how they're going to take care of the bombs. And Benji's still trying to figure out a solution to how to deactivate the bombs without them going off. What's he doing? He's working on it. He's working on it. He's working on it. Luther then mentions that Lane's tracking signal just went out and Ethan sort of deduces that that's where Lane wants them to go was the last marker of where they saw the tracker. Which 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 is a little much of like, oh, he's planning this all out. That's exactly where he wants us to go. Can't you see? But <laughs> it's less about that and more to me about would you just leave your tracker on and not moving? Right. I don't know. I mean, was it so that they couldn't get... I could see the logic. You maybe they in. couldn't get a specific location. Maybe maybe at. that's it. But it's just like, if you want them to go there, why <laughs> wouldn't you keep showing them where to go? Right. So they're driving in, and, and then Ilsa realizes that where they're headed is where the Nubra River is at the base of the Siachen Glacier, and that a nuclear blast in that area would irradiate the largest natural irrigation system in the world, which would subsequently starve one-third of the entire world's population. Weirdly enough, Ethan still hasn't entirely put together why the medical camp is there, aside from the fact that they're, that's where the smallpox outbreak happened. Right. So he figures that part out, but he doesn't put two and two together that that's where Julia is, which... I feel like he should have known that, especially given the fact that he knows yeah, the, that the Walker, Walker knows that yeah. Walker knows who's his wife was. Right. So it's a little head scratchy, but anyway, I'll allow it. So, so just, there's a lot of things in this last part of this movie that we have to allow. Uh, yeah, because uh, this is basically theoretically it's a fourth act. No, it very much is. The movie should have wrapped itself up at the two hour mark, but nope, we're going in for more fun and excitement. <laughs> That's right. Buckle up, kids. So just then, Benji does figure out a solution, sort of, to disarming the bombs. And that essentially, after the bombs have been triggered by the detonator, they have to remove the key in the remote detonator, then cut the wires. That's the only way to do it, where one bomb doesn't set off the other one. (laughs) Jason's just shaking his head over there. (laughs) You know, my uncle... Uh, when I was maybe eight or nine years old, my uncle once told me that if you have to explain a joke, it's not funny. <laughs> and then I heard somebody later on as a teenager, an actual comedian, say it's not that it's not funny, you just didn't tell it right. <laughs> when you have to convolute something so ridiculously to make it even remotely plausible to put your main characters in peril, maybe you're just not writing the scene right. <laughs> Okay, got my two cents in, moving on. Okay, but (laughs) I do love the look on Ilsa's face after learning that they have to trigger the bombs first (laughs) before deactivating the bombs. (laughs) It's kind of finally hitting her now that she's basically the unofficial fifth beetle (laughs) of the IMF. Right. You know, that this is the the norm. This is just what's going to happen, you know, over and over and over again. All this... If Walker had been in the truck with her right then, he'd have been like, oh, 
Are you new here? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We then cut to uh, Lane arming one of the bombs. And then he's talking to Lark and the Apostles about how this is where... This is where he leaves it. He's he's staying there. He's not going to try and... He's basically prepared to die. He's not going to get out to minimum safe distance. He's just going to see this plan through by being there. I don't know exactly. And can I say when he hands him the remote detonator, hands Walker the remote detonator, uh-huh. oh, and he's like... It should be far enough for you to reach minimum safe distance. All I kept thinking is aliens. Oh, yeah. You now have that's 15 all, yep. minutes to reach minimum safe distance. That's that's all I could think of as well. As soon as I heard the t- as soon as I heard the phrase minimum safe distance, all I could think of was alien. You now have two minutes to reach minimum safe distance. So then we cut to the uh, head of the medical camp and the gang roll up and immediately they start trying to track where the bomb might be. But the problem is, is that the medical equipment is making it hard to find an accurate signal because you've got x-ray machines and all this stuff. MRI machines. Yeah, all this stuff that gives off radiation. radiation flowing around. Yeah, but they split up. But Ethan is almost immediately seen by Julia, like (laughs) right, right at the jump. It's like she's just right there. Ethan. (laughs) <laughs> and so <laughs> he's like son of a mother loving hi <laughs> who would have guessed that you were here and everybody hears it on the comms and everybody's just like oh boy and he's <laughs> just like oh my god is that her <laughs> oh oh my god how do i look am i okay <laughs> do i look okay so then julia's new husband who really looks like the bizarro world version of jake gyllenhaal <laughs> rocks up. <laughs> He's like, hi, I'm super nice and great and very good looking, but probably not as good looking as Tom Cruise at his at my age. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm he, taller. I'm definitely I'm taller. I'm definitely taller. Um, but he starts talking about how a guardian angel, quote unquote dark guardian angel, found them in Darfur and asked them to help out in Kashmir. So, and they pay for everything so long as it was Julia and him that headed it all off. Which, of course, is Walker setting this whole thing up right? so that it keep you know it's his insurance package to make sure this whole thing goes through. So just then, Luther spots one of the bombs at the top of this communication antenna, and Ethan uh, hugs Julian and he and he whispers into her ear like i'm so sorry and then they he runs off and she's like freaked out and right well i like how i going back a, a second there i like how when ethan meets the uh the husband mm-hmm. and you know introduces himself as another doctor he totally goes into a role right oh yeah he, right he, he plays another yet another doctor right and and, she, and he and Dr. Frankenjensen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pulls a total fletch on him. But when she's like, and he's here on vacation. No. No. no I'm, I'm, wor- I'm working. <laughs> and her face kind of goes, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah. Nice, too, that they, you know, he's talking in code and she immediately picks mm-hmm. it up. Immediately knows that he's <laughs> something bad is Threatening right. everything. He's not here to see me on vacation. He's here because the shit's hit the fan. That's right. So then we cut to Lane, and he's telling Lark to take both helicopters so that no one else can get out. But then we're back, and the guys have brought down the antenna, and Ethan assigns Luther to work on dismantling it while the rest of them just kind of take off. <laughs> and he's like, oh, sure, I got this. Don't worry about old Luther. <laughs> Assholes. <laughs> 
So, so then we see uh, Lark plug in the key into the remote detonator as he's walking to the helicopter. And just then we see Ethan, Ilsa, and Benji rock up in the in the Jeep and, and they see Walker. And Walker then activates the countdown. And we hear about this through Luther because he's sitting right in front of the other bomb. And then they, <laughs> they get back in the Jeep and they fly down this hill to get right down to where the helicopters are. And it's kind of interesting how we'd see Lane on the balcony of that cabin, just kind of watching this all play out. Like, right. I think he's just very confident that there's literally no way that, that, oh, he Ethan, absolutely is. that Ethan is going to stop any of this. Absolutely. Like, he, he feels he, like there's absolutely nothing. We should have had him eating popcorn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is going very good for me. <laughs> so then Ethan jumps out of the Jeep, tells Benji and Ilsa to go find Lane and the other bombs, and then makes a run for the second helicopter, which hasn't quite taken off just yet. <laughs> Ilsa's like, What the hell is he doing? I find it best not to look. So then we get this stunt. Holy shit, dude. This, it's just, it's just bonkers to me. It's just bonkers. That's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to climb up this rope that's attached to a helicopter way up here. And then if that wasn't enough, I'm going to let go and land on this poofy thing down at the bottom that really didn't seem very, it didn't seem to. Uh, uh, kind of catch him at all? No, he just he's, bounced. He just kind of rolled. bounced. I can't imagine that felt good. I mean, I know he's you know got a, a harness and what have you to make sure he doesn't fall to his death. But holy crap! <laughs> uh, again, you cannot fault this guy for committing to the bit. Yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting too on the behind the scenes stuff when Tom Cruise is talking about doing this. He, he's talking about how it took him a long time to talk himself into actually letting go and dropping. Like he had a really hard time getting up the nerve, the sheer nerve to let go and just whatever happens, happens. Because, you know, there's still danger involved in that. Because if he hits that thing wrong, yep. if he flips or gets caught up in one of the wires or something, oh yeah. my God, it's still bonkers to me that that he's willing at 56. I wouldn't have been willing to do that at 36. 26. <laughs> at 26, maybe I would have been like, I don't know. I might be able I was dumb at 26. All right. <laughs> but 36, nope. 46, definitely nope. no. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that, not, not to get too maudlin here, but that's why I feel like we're wrapping up the whole Mission Impossible thing here <laughs> with these last two episodes. Well, we'll see. I, I <laughs> He eventually just becomes a secretary who doesn't die. Yeah. No kidding. So, <laughs> so then we see Julia walk up to Luther and she's like, how can I help? <laughs> and Benji and Ilsa are like hearing this, like going, oh shit. <laughs> what? what did no, no. <laughs> but Luther realizes he's like, well, where is she going to go? Yeah. She's, he's she's also the, the only one who thinks she's as competent as she actually is other right. than Ethan. Well, and he's been around the longest, so he right. knows her and... Because he's Luther. That's right. So the two of them start working on the bomb, because that's Julia. And then meanwhile, Ethan is now climbing back up the rope after he has fallen. So he climbs all the way back up again. Just just bonker shit. But I love, I love, love, love the look of shock on the guy that's in the backseat of the helicopter when Ethan swings inside. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, Ethan's surprised that he made it in, and he's even more surprised that he made it right. in. Right. Just, there's just that moment of like, what? <laughs> and then the fight ensues. But it doesn't take long before Ethan knocks him right out of the helicopter and and in the struggle in the backseat shoots the, the pilot. 
Right. So then Ethan's got to quickly climb into the front seat and try and right the helicopter before it crashes to its doom. And I love, meanwhile, we get that shot of Cavill just chilling out in his chopper, like, no big deal. Right. Just hanging out. He's all man spread. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. The legs are as far apart from each other as they can be without doing the splits. Right. And then, meanwhile, you see in the background this helicopter just spinning yeah. around, like, like it's ready to go into a flat spin. <laughs> so, what's great about this? So he writes the helicopter. He finally manages to write the helicopter. He gets back on the comm and lets him know that he's flying the helicopter. And there's this barrage of questions that hit him from everybody that's on the channel. Questioning the logic of him being in a helicopter. Benji, do you copy? Ethan, Ethan, where are you? I'm in a helicopter going after Walker. Oh, hold on. How did you get in the helicopter? What, you can fly a helicopter? Did you say helicopter? What the hell are you doing in a helicopter? It's kind of a nice little moment there. And, of course, that's exactly when the comms break up, which means they're now just trusting one another to do their part. They're just relying on blind faith in each other. Right. Oh, I do like how Ethan's kind of, like, coaching himself, like, muttering to himself, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Well, it's very Indiana Jonesy at that point. (laughs) He's like, okay, airspeed? Check. Uh, uh, Altimeter? Fuel? Fuel? <laughs> Fuel? Do you know how to fly? Fly? Yes. Land? Land? <laughs> Ethan then sort of puts two and two together and he gets the idea to, to try and drop the payload that's on his helicopter, tries to drop it onto the top of Walker's helicopter. So he starts climbing. And then meanwhile, Luther and Julie are, are doing this fun little bickering where she's trying to help him and he's like, my right. And she's like, I am on your right. No, oh, well, my left, I mean. <laughs> right. He's like, and, and they're just like going back and forth. And she's like, I'm just trying to help. And Ilsa's like, oh, I like her. Well, that, I, the thing is, is she's putting on those surgeon gog, you know, the surgeon persona right where she's very focused but not being an asshole about right very are you sure that's the choice you want me to make right and she's probably used to dealing with people because you know surgery is a stressful thing to do right so and they're doing surgery on the bomb right so she's dealing with her intern she's falling right into place over here right okay So, I'm not an electrician. (laughs) Oh, sorry. The green one. (laughs) (laughs) So, then we cut back to Ethan, and uh, he's kind of teetering above Walker, and he's trying to aim this payload to land on him but he but he misses but it does send the helicopter pilot swinging the helicopter wildly back and forth and then they then navigate back up to the height that ethan's at and ethan's looking over at him he's like yeah that's right prick (laughs) you know it's funny to me when i thought saw this i started thinking about where he swings onto the building from the jumps in and does the three is it three and he's doing the math on the glass yes and i'm like so you can figure out how to swing yourself like a pendulum <laughs> onto another building with a rope, but, you, but can't. you can't do the small calculus to know that you just need to be slightly in front of him and above him to drop that because <laughs> the drag will slow it down slightly from your current speed. And I'm like, Ethan. <laughs> He's very stressed. I know. He was People doing a lot of things. I know. <laughs> but you had one shot, man. Was there not a pen you could write on the window while you're figuring that? I don't know. Maybe that was what it was. He couldn't find a pen to write on the window. That's right. So, but I do like right after Ethan does give him that little look, Walker kind of 
raises an eyebrow and casually is like, oh, really? And then he pulls out the world's largest gun. Right. And like rat-a-tat-tats him and hits the helicopter a little bit. And then Ethan turns away quickly and nearly loses all control of the helicopter in the process. Cavill's whole attitude in this scene in the helicopters is amazing (laughs) to me because he's conveying like, motherfucker won't die. Why won't you You die? die? But he's just in there like, I'm going to go. So I maybe you know this, maybe you don't. He's a big gamer guy. Uh, right. Henry Cavill. Yes. Huge gamer. Right. And I felt like we were getting to see his Call of Duty face. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, I've seen those those videos of him putting together the computer that he built from scratch. Oh, yeah. Specifically for gaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, he's, he's a huge, um, I know he plays Warhammer. I think he's a Warcraft guy. But you know he's playing Call of Duty and stuff like right. that, too. But he totally had to look at his face like, yeah. <laughs> and it just it, it's ridiculous because the tracer's coming out of it and the part when he, when Ethan gets behind him and he's shooting at the tail and like oh we're gonna go Henry Jones Sr. on this <laughs> son I've got bad news <laughs> they got, they got us, us. <laughs> so then we get back to the camp and Ilsa is then realizes that Lane knows they'd be looking for the second bomb amidst all of the medical equipment so she theorizes that that means it's not there and so she starts going back to the village to start looking in the houses for this bomb and then we're back with ethan again he's still being pursued by the other helicopter and his helicopter is hit several times like you said (laughs) (laughs) and then meanwhile benji is still going through all this medical equipment kind of determined to find something in there which he's not gonna find it it's a cute little throwaway he's about to bust the lock he's like shoot the lock Uh and he's like oh nuclear bomb puts the gun back in the holster (laughs) then grabs an air tank to bash open the lock with it right and then we see ilsa who's sneaking into lane's cabin except lane is basically waiting for her and holy smokes lane seems super powered in this fight right like he literally reaches through this wall and grabs her and then yanks her through the wall this and, and pulls down the whole wall in the process, sending her to the floor. And then clocks her with a piece of wood that would have killed anyone. Right. Anybody. But, you know, okay, it just knocks her out. Well, so, the wood's made out of the same thing that the bathroom wall is made out that's of. That's right. Just more layers of it. Right. So then we're back to the choppers. Back to the choppers. Back to the chopper. <laughs> and Ethan is, at this point, literally trying to ram them with his helicopter, which in, in the behind-the-scenes things, they, they say that he, he got literally within feet of his blades touching the other helicopter, which is suicide. Anyway, then we're back to Luther and Julia, who have pretty much pared down the wires on the bomb and are now just waiting for Benji and Ilsa to find the other bomb. And Julia's like, uh other bomb so, oh did i leave that out sorry <laughs> yeah so then we cut back to lane's cabin and we see that ilsa is now tied up and and gagged in a chair and uh she finally wakes up and sees the bomb right in front of her and then lane's like kind of behind her ear like talking in can't you see there's nothing you can do <laughs> i am evil and then we hear kind of in the distance benji so then ilsa starts trying to kind of scream through her bandana gag so that so that benji can hear where she's at and benji comes into the cabin but then holy cow lane just goes to work on him oh yeah you know benji gets in one good hit with a bottle but then after that it's it's just all lane just it's it's so brutal man lane gets him back on up on the noose 
<laughs> Lane even says before he starts attacking Benji, he's like, you're not going to want to see this. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how brutal this is going to be. <laughs> so while Benji's getting his ass handed to him, you see this quick shot of Ilsa kind of working to untie her restraints. And then we're back with Ethan. And he's still in pursuit of Walker, but now Ethan's chopper is starting to die because of the damage that it's taken. But he's just trying to get there before the thing completely collapses on him. Then we're back in Lane's cabin, and and now Ilsa stands up with the chair attached to her and does this crazy jump backwards towards the table to break the chair that looks painful as hell. Could have broke her back. Yeah, but it works, and she's free of everything, and then she starts fighting Lane, and in the meantime, manages to kick a box under Benji's feet so he doesn't choke to death. It's just... She is just leaps and bounds the better fighter than than Benji is. Right. So then we're back to Ethan again, of course. And just before his chopper completely dies, he finally manages to crash it into Walker's, which, of course, would kill them both immediately. But this is a movie, so we'll allow it. (laughs) So the two crash into the snow that's high up on this mountain. And uh, then we're back to Ilsa, who is, you know... Holding, holding up pretty well against Lane. Eventually, she kind of like chokes him out, not killing him, choking him, but but just sort of blacking him out. Just in time for her to reach up and, and cut the noose on Benji, and Benji falls to the floor, and he's suddenly able to breathe. And, and hits that head pretty hard, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing that I didn't like about this scene, and I know why they did it, because Lane ultimately has to see his plan fail. Right. Ilsa's job was to kill him. So, and, he, and she never does. No. And I mean, we get some payoff with that in the end, but right. if she'd truly been doing what she was there to do, she would have just, okay, now that I've got him tied up, after I'm done with, we have uh, thwarted your plans, but by now, and that's it. Right. That's what I wanted to see. Well, then the movie's over. <laughs> well, but <laughs> I mean, it, the movie was over at that point. They saved the world. She yeah. could have easily put two bullets in his head yeah. and been done with it. Yeah, yeah. So then we're back on the mountain, and uh, Walker is just kind of sitting there, kind of in a trance, just kind of got the thousand-yard stare, just trying to recover from this crash, when suddenly his cockpit just starts rolling down the decline, (laughs) and it's headed straight for Ethan's helicopter, and once again, Ethan cannot get out of a seatbelt. This is (laughs) is another new thing Uh that has now repeated itself in multiple Mission Impossible movies where seatbelts work a little bit better than they should, actually. (laughs) Right. Well, and then we're going to get, you know, the helicopters go crashing down and we get a replay of the truck from earlier in the alley with two helicopter bodies instead of a truck. Right. Yeah, the helicopters go over the edge and they're wedged in that big crack in the rock. And this is this is just bonkers. This this whole sequence of events, you know, this hose detaches that's got some sort of hot fluid in it. Well, that yeah, it was basically the engine coolant, but you know, it yeah. was at or oil. It was at temperature, right? And burns his face, right? Disfigures Walker, and then we see Ethan being Ethan and crazy. He unlocks this. Finally, he's able to unlock a seatbelt now. Right. <laughs> so he unlocks his seatbelt and lets himself fall towards Walker to try and get the detonator. But then the cockpit that they're in unseats itself from the rock and starts rolling again. And they're rolling and they're in the cameras inside the, the cabin. And it's just chaos. And, and suddenly Ethan flies out of the cabin and we don't quite know where he is. And then the rest of the chopper goes over the edge of the cliff, uh, but is then saved by this like trailer rope thing. It basically was the hook that 
was holding the uh, the parcel. That's right. The thing that was holding the yeah the big old bundle of of exposition exposition. So. <laughs> So it's hanging there, but then we're back on the ground and Luther is telling Julia to go be with her husband. Uh, he then starts walking Benji and Ilsa through the process of defusing the bomb. Then we're back to the mountain and now Ethan is laying face down on the top of this giant cliff thing. This, this amazing location that they found. Right. Which is just unbelievable. So kudos to the team who found that. So then we see... Ethan lying face down on the top of this cliff and he starts to get up and, and we see Walker and then we see the detonator a ways away from both of them and somehow or another they keep fighting. They start fighting again. It's like this is now we're now in silly action movie territory. Hell yeah. So so they start fighting and the fight is kind of interesting though because all Walker is trying to do is kill Ethan and all Ethan's trying to do is get to the detonator. Right. So it's just, it's weird because since they have different priorities, it it works kind of strangely yes. a little bit for a little while. And somehow during this fight, they go over the edge. But of course, miraculously, the detonator is still just kind of teetering at the, at the top of this flat rock area, uh, but just on the very edge. So now Ethan is hanging on to the rope with Walker hanging on to him. And the chopper is dangling also by the rope that's hooked onto the rock, which is now starting to break. So... <laughs> Got it? Okay. So then <laughs> Ethan, Ethan being the smart one, finds his way to the rock face so he's not dependent on the rope. And he starts, because, you know, Ethan's a, he's a rock climber. We know this from Mission Impossible 2. That's so, right. So he's trying to climb up this rock face. And then we get this wide shot that shows absolutely how insane and perfectly straight up and down this. Oh, I know. This, uh, this It's uh, almost 100% vertical. Yeah, it's just... It's a sheer rock face. Yeah, it's like, okay, sure. So at this point, Walker then goes to the rock face as well. But then as Walker is kind of trying to chase Ethan, that's when Ethan starts looking at the... He's looking at the rope and he knows that the rope is kind of jiggling and he's like, okay. So that's when Ethan just yanks on the rope as hard as he can. The rock breaks. The hook starts hauling ass off the cliff and comes down and knocks Walker right in the face and sends him to his death. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> but it's not over, kids, because oh, now God, no. Ethan has to try and scale this insane rock face in time to pull out the pin before Benji and Luther cut the final wires of the bomb. <gasps> okay. So then Luther and Benji were back with them and they start arguing over whether or not Ethan's going to get the detonator. And Luther is just kind of team Ethan, just have faith. Well, and he's kind of like, what difference does it make? What difference? We're dead otherwise, no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> so there. And also, he always gets it. Ethan always gets it done. Exactly. And then, of course, you know, they, they bicker again about, well, on, on two or on one? One's cutting it pretty close. I don't know. <laughs> Finally, they decide on one, and then they just close their eyes and cut it, and it's big uh, light dissolve. But of course, it's not a bomb. It's just the sun. Sun um, coming up over sun Ethan on the mountain. Up over Ethan on the mountain, who is now still not all the way up the mountain, but he's hanging there <laughs> with, with, the, is, with the detonator the, in his mouth. The detonator key in his mouth, the detonator <laughs> in his hand, one hand holding onto the rock face. Right. And he and spits that out and chucks the detonator and oh that's great <laughs> and then we get that of course from luther my man <laughs> and i will say i really you know and maybe it's just because when i was doing my notes for this it was kind of late at night and i get a little more emotional when i'm tired but <laughs> but like 
When Ethan finally gets up onto the rock finally, and the music from Lauren Balfe kicks in, it is such it is such a great track. It left me kind of emotional, like, because they're all just so relieved from this moment where there are, none of them knew at any given second whether they were going to live or die the, the very next second. Right. And I mean, Benji and Ilsa are practically crying with each other that they're still alive. Right. And uh, yeah, it's just, I think it's just a really good moment. It's, but uh, yeah, hooray, save the day. And finally, <laughs> we see from Ethan's POV, there's, it's all kind of cloudy and, or that's what it is. We, we then see the, the, chopper come in yeah a new another third chopper a third chopper the the emergency chopper comes in to pick up ethan and he's helicoptered out of there and then we get the pov of ethan where he starts seeing glimpses of of ilsa and benji and um luther (laughs) i do like when they show luther because he's like move move like you don't hear him but he (laughs) you could tell that's what he's saying and then finally, Julia is standing over him as he's now in a in a hospital gurney type thing. And he wakes up, and then Julia's husband is there, and he's like, you're lucky to be alive, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, well, and it's funny, because at the end of it, he's like, doctor, wink, wink, wink. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. And he's like, your friends helped, your friends yeah. Yeah. helped She came you. in right at the heels of half of the Indian army. Yeah. <laughs> and there... She is. It actually was a little surprising that the head of the CIA he just shows up, just shows up in Kashmir for this event, right? To to kind of save the day or or what have you. But uh, she walks out, and then we get this uh, really emotional moment where you know Ethan keeps apologizing. Well, Ethan loves to apologize, but he's apologizing to Julia for kind of chain altering her entire life because right. of the lifestyle that he has chosen. But she's trying to sort of. You know, Glossado. It's a good moment. It's a really it good is. moment where she's sort of trying to say, "Well, look at look at what you've enabled me to do now. Now right. I'm look at who I am because of the things that have happened. To right, us. I've become, I'm living my best life now. Right, because of you. Exactly. Then she she goes off with with her husband, and then the team comes in, and then we get. It's interesting that this VO comes from Sloan. Um, that sort of wraps everything up in a, in a nice little bow here. But the VO from Sloan that's directed at Ethan, saying that. Lane was sent back to MI6 at your request through a broker, of course. Of course. And then we see a quick shot of the White Widow. And then she also mentions that that closes the account between Ilsa and MI6. And then and then Ilsa kind of comes over and we get that very... This is the closest to lovey-dovey that... Uh, Ilsa and Ethan have certainly ever shown on sure. on screen. You know, Ethan's kind of touching her face and she's kind of leaning into it and oh, okay. Oh, you know, and now and now and now Ilsa kind of knows, well, hey, he's single. Yeah. <laughs> so So he's not committed anymore. <laughs> That's right. So, hey, so uh but anyway, um <laughs> The Sloan VO continues and uh, talking about the value of the IMF and how, you know, he's... Being to see what Hunley was saying. About caring I'm for... I'm a convert. Th- that's right. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to reinstate so, the IMF. And then I'll become the director. I'll become the secretary. I'll become the secretary. And then I'll die. <laughs> exactly. And of course, the last lines of the film are, you know, Benji and... Just good old Benji and Ethan doing their thing. How close were we? The usual. <laughs> that close, huh? <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's pretty much it, except for Ethan saying, don't make me laugh. My ribs hurt. Right. <laughs> and then we're done. And then we're done. And Yay! Yay! And that, my friends, is Mission Impossible Fallout. 
Whew. Can I just say, I hope we don't get a lot of fallout about our review. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we've been reassessing our uh, rankings of the Mission Impossible movies after each one of these reviews. And mine has changed. And I think yours has changed with every single review we've done. Well. Or or maybe it's just that you're re-reminded of what's good in each of these I different I started movies. off thinking that this one was my favorite. Yeah. And it's still my favorite. Uh, but every time I saw one from Born, man, I like this one better. Yeah. But now I'm back to this one. And I'm like, nope, I like this one best. I got to say. My rankings have changed, but not because of this movie. I, I still think now, I, I got to admit, I still think that my favorite now is Rogue Nation. Okay. And it's just, and I think a lot of it has to do with the tone. For me, Rogue Nation's tone hits just the right thing. This one feels so serious, so dead on serious. And that doesn't mean that I don't, I actually probably think that Fallout is a better movie Mm -hmm. in general, but I just think that when it comes down to it, if I'm looking at the movies on my shelf, the one I'm going to go to the most now is probably going to be Rogue Nation because it just has the right fun tone. It's, it's, it's the right amount of serious and funny. There's all that great, like buddy cop energy from Ethan and Benji midway, midway through the movie. And then Ilsa just looks spectacular. And she's kind of the focal point of that movie, which works really great for me. Sure. Uh, (laughs) but overall, this movie is, it's just fantastic. I mean, it's so well put together. This is when, I mean, everything is, is working about as good as you can work. A Mission Impossible movie. So if I had to rank them now, I think, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think it goes Rogue Nation on top, then Fallout, then Ghost Protocol, then one, then three, then two. So I think that's my ranking now. I think that's where I where I land with my final rankings going into Dead Reckoning. I think mine goes in reverse order of appearances but i would switch two at the bottom and one as number five on the list right that's fair (laughs) i mean sure it's woo as fuck (laughs) it's woo as fuck i mean i still got love for i I mean if you want to rank it on john woo movies it probably goes a little bit higher yeah but uh, as far as mission impossible movies go it's my least favorite it's it's my least favorite but at the same time again you know, we we brought this up a long time ago, but I, I see Mission Impossible 2 as having that same fun energy as A View to a Kill and that I know it's a ridiculous movie, but I enjoy the ridiculous movie. That's fair. So That's fair. But this movie's unbelievable. But uh, hey, what is your opinion of this movie, tens of listeners? What do you think? You should get in touch. If there's one thing that we continually try and hit you with is that we love listener interaction here at the CIC. Absolutely. So uh, please let us know what you thought of the movie, what you thought of our review, whether we were right on, whether we were way off. (laughs) We want to know either way. On email, it's CICDeadDrop at gmail.com. On Instagram, it's Central Intelligence Cinema separated by underscores. Or on Twitter, at CICSpyPod. We're also on Facebook. And you can find the links to all of those at the bottom of the show description of this very episode that you're listening to. So uh, please let us know. Give us some feedback. And hey, if you enjoy the podcast, there's another way to give us feedback. You could always give us a glowing, sparkly, effervescent five-star review on whichever podcast platform that you tend to listen to your podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or who knows. If you want to be crazy, copy and paste. Hit them all. That's right. Hit them all. But uh, let us know because that helps our show get seen faster when people search for hashtag silly spy shit. But I think we've talked... 
well enough, don't you think? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All righty then. Well, with that, I'm Ben. And I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis, and more mayhem.